0: The Chicago Bears lose a tough, tough game to the Philadelphia Eagles, and as their record falls to 3-5, and five, their hopes of making the playoffs dwindle along with it. I bring on Lester Wiltfong to talk about the game and more on this episode of Bear With Me. And we are live, coming at you pretty much right after the game. I've got the clock at 3.45 p.m., so the only play that I've reviewed was the play that I personally missed because I had to get up at the time, which was the David Montgomery over the middle seam that I just watched. And I am joined by Windy City Gridiron's wonderful head editor. Uh, I, again, you're just the boss man, as I know you, Lester. And even better than anything else, we've he analyzes the line. I couldn't be more excited to have you on, Lester, though. I got to admit, I'd love to have you on on a better occasion.
1: You know, this is getting a little a little old uh, talking about Bears losses, but I guess uh, that's just uh, the way it is this year for us.
0: Completely exhausting. I mean, for crying out loud, I'll just go ahead and start us off, and we will freewheel it. Uh, I'm curious to hear. So. I am somebody who often doesn't try to criticize play calling because I've never personally been an NFL head coach, and while I could pick at things and say, for instance, probably going to be tough for the Bears to run against the Eagles off, or, uh, off defensive line, uh, and I prefer to throw at their secondary, which I know is weak, that's about all you're going to get from me because formation-to-formation formation stuff, not only am I not near as fluent in it, but I try not to criticize things that I, that I could get proved as you don't know anything about it. Of course, that might make sense. Uh, Now, here's the thing, though. Matt Nagy came into a game where Mitch Trubisky uh, had just struggled against the Los Angeles Chargers at home. And, oh, my goodness, he gave the ball to Mitch 17 times out of 20 first-half plays, which has resulted in, I believe if I read the play-by-play chart correctly, five straight three-and-outs and and then a five-and-out, zero points, nine yards, and I have been told by somebody who was able to listen to the broadcast that that is the worst offensive half in 40 years in NFL action. And it looked like it. Lester, what do you think?
1: Yeah, the Bears had nine yards in that first half. And I'm not sure of the of the historical uh, historical significance of that number. But um, it's garbage. You know, no matter how you cut it, it's a garbage first half performance. And look, I've been critical of the play calling. I've been critical of, of the head coach, Matt Nagy. I've been critical of the players. I've been critical of the offense, defense, and the quarterback. So if you want to sit here and, and blame one or the other and, and try and completely absolve one section of this team, you can't, can't do it. That first half, it was just terrible. The, the game last week, the Bears had success doing what? Running the I-formation plays. It's not mm-hmm. sexy. It's not pretty. T- to me, it's sexy and pretty. I love that kind of stuff. But <laughs> the Bears had success, la- they had success last week. And this week, did they do it at all in the first half? I don't think so.
0: Nope. I mean, they ran the ball again three times and I've been somebody who's been a vocal defendant of Matt Nagy because I do think he's getting a whole lot of criticism for effectively having to play through a quarterback that just can't handle the game. At least that's starting to look like what we're seeing for Mitch Trubisky. But my goodness, given that that's already what I was thinking, and I'm just some fanalist, uh, we've the fact that Matt Nagy gave him the ball and effectively said, Mitch, this is your game. Uh, seven Again, 17 times out of 21st half plays. And don't get me wrong, Trubisky had throws that he could have made. And had he made them, we would have moved the ball better. But either way, that seems like faulty offensive planning to me to say, OK, Mitch, we know that you've been struggling, but we're going to need you to just push through it because we're going to run the ball three times out of 20 yeah. attempts. And when we do it, uh, of course, Lester, it's probably not going to surprise you. One of those runs came on a first and 15, and the other two runs were the first two runs of the game. I mean, goodness gracious. Yes, the Bears took a ton of penalties, and that has to be talked about. Yes, it seemed like the Bears receivers weren't hanging on to balls that weren't in the right place. Mitch Trubisky's accuracy, all over the place. Play calling, not good. I mean, put it this way. When the offense—oh, or oh, also, not to mention the fact that we gave up three sacks, and I'd love to hear you talk sure. about whether those were all on the offensive line or not, because truth be told, I couldn't even tell. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But— that looked like a half that would be one of the worst offensive halves in 40 years. If you, if you told me that, or if that turns out to be true, I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah. You know, the first half, you know, we talked to the play calling, but you know what you hucked down on a little bit there. Trubisky missed guys. I mean, they're, they're, it's like, I was talking to a buddy of mine during the game. It seems at some points, you know, he is a one read quarterback. That's kind of what he is here, you know, and, and they talked about a lot on the broadcast with, with Mark Cyrus, roll them out more, you know, cut the field in half for them. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's a part of the West Coast offense. It's built into the system. It's something they do a lot. It depends on the type of quarterback you have is when you get these half-read types of types of, of fields here. But, I mean, that's the, that's the Shanahan version of the West Coast offense. A lot of rollouts, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of stretch plays, and they come off on of, uh, the play action. Those are essentially half-reads. That's what, you know, again, it's built into the West Coast system. For some reason, Matt Nagy doesn't want to do that too much. He wants to tr- put his quarterback in the pocket, he wants to force him to make plays from the pocket. And right now he's not doing it. He seems like he's, he doesn't even trust his first read anymore. There was, there was, nope. there was uh, the, the, the all, uh, all curls play. He, his first <laughs> read was wide open. He didn't pull the trigger. It's like, he nope. doesn't trust what he sees because he is paralyzed by making a mistake. And, and is that the head coach's fault for him putting him in this situation? It's a one read throw. The, the first read is open, throw right. the damn ball and, and make the play. If you do that, then the whole narrative of the first half can change if someone's making a play. No one's making a play. You talk about the penalties, putting the Bears in consistent, you know, second and third and long uh, situations. At that situation, you have to throw a little more than you want to run. But again, it's all a, a, a perfect storm of sucktitude here, play calling, quarterback. You know, you talk about the drop passes as well. Too many oh, drop I- passes.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I need to make sure that things are absolutely clear here, Lester. I'm only dinging the play calling because I've been so on the quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, that I've become expecting of these poor plays. That third and long to Allen Robinson, I'm no quarterback guru, but it seemed like Mitch probably stared at an open receiver for way longer than he needed to before releasing a ball that put Allen in a very tough position. Again, you'd like to see your number one receiver haul a pass in like that. And we saw another one of those in the second half where, yeah, Allen could have caught it, but this all seems to tie into the fact that nobody's doing their job, especially well. I mean, play calling quarterback, offensive line, David Montgomery seems to be getting what he can, but of course his, uh, his situation seems quite difficult for him. Uh, And not to mention, I don't know if Trubisky, I think he might've made two or three throws all across the game that were truly right on the money. Uh, So, I mean, goodness, this offensive, this offense in general seems like it's kind of falling apart at the seams. And it almost, it even seemed as if in that first half, it started to bleed into affecting the defense too.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what was the thing we've seen during this losing streak is the offense can't get things sustained, the defense is forced uh, in, in, in to be on the field a ton. You know, I, I looked at the, t- the, the, the the time of possession for this game, and the Eagles had the ball for 40 minutes. I mean, that's not a good way to keep your defense rested. But but on the same token, at some point, this great defense you have assembled has to make a play. I mean, we're seeing yep. too much during this losing streak. These guys can't get off the field on a third down. Yes, they're tired. But you know what? Rotate your guys through. Someone make a play. I mean, there's plays there to be made. They're just not making them
0: what's become wild to me when it comes to this losing streak is it's all seemed connected to when the bears lost to Keem Hicks. And now I took a ton of heat this off season for suggesting that, uh, that, Akeem Hicks was more important to the defense than Khalil Mack and who knows maybe he is maybe he isn't I'm not using this moment to claim it one way or another but I will say yeah. Lester it's thrown me off how little pressure the Bears seem to get nowadays with with Hicks out of the lineup I remember against out or against Case Keenum against Aaron Rodgers against Joe Flacco the Bears were collapsing the pocket every single play, or at least that's how it felt. With this uh, set of the Bears' defense right now that doesn't have a key mix at their disposal, it feels like Carson Wentz today got quite a few clean pockets, certainly clean enough pockets. They're not generating the pressure that they used to. If you can't generate pressure, uh, Pagano's zone scheme begins to collapse in on itself, and frankly, the def- defensive backs just aren't making the plays that we're accustomed to them making. Prince of Mukamura, Prince Bukamura had a solid game today, but he kind of yeah. seemed to be the one and frankly the Eagles Had a couple of drops today that helped us out Or things could have gotten even worse and not To mention of course uh, Right before I hand you back the microphone Because <laughs> I know you got a lot to say We can't go through a podcast Without mentioning the fact that Jordan Howard Of course carried for over five yards on the, Or five yards to carry on the ground Because it's just going to be that kind of day wouldn't it
1: You know from, from Jordan Howard's Standpoint I've always been A fan of his I talked about it last year as well You know I, I like Jordan Howard but he wasn't the same back he was as a rookie. He looks re-energized this year for the Eagles. I've watched a few of their games. He obviously has a lot more room to run. That Eagles O-line is opening up huge holes for him. He's a better fit for what they want to do as far as running the ball. He is more, uh, He has more success when the, when, when the stretch player, the outside zone runs, because he wants to get a little, a little, a little speed built up, mm-hmm. make his one cut, and hit the hole. You saw the big runs today were on cutbacks. That's where he gets. He, he gets, gets running one way. He sticks his foot in the ground and he darts through the hole. That's what he wants to do. The Bears, more inside zone stuff. Now, part of that's on Nagy for not adjusting his overall scheme, mm-hmm. which we did see him do a little bit last year. He kind of switched the second half of the season. He went a little bit more towards that, you know, with Jordan Howard. And he did, he was, uh, was six in the league in carries last year. So, so it's not like Nagy went away from him all last year, but the big runs weren't there. Again, offensive line in Philadelphia doing a great job this year. But Howard's just, uh, he's been playing good football. He fits what they want to do. He fits that LeGarrette blunt role for them. And, you know, he's part of their success, part of their turnaround here when they now have won two games in a row. But then back to the quarterback situation. Talked about Akeem Hicks. From a quarterback standpoint, pressure up the middle in his face is is more bothersome than pressure off the edge because it's right there in your face. You can't step up. As a quarterback, Mm -hmm. you want that pocket. You want to step up to the pocket. So with no Akeem Hicks, who's getting your pressure up the gut? We hope it would be Bilal Nichols. It hasn't been him. We hope it'll be Roy Robertson Harris. He's had a few flashes, but it's not him. No one can do what Akeem Hicks can do on this defense, and the Bears are feeling that loss.
0: What it reminds me of, uh, what really stuck out to me as I kept reviewing the twenty eighteen tape in the off season, was that Fangio's three four was more like a. It was more like a two four with five defensive backs because they played a nickel so often. And yeah. what what really blew my mind as I kept watching it was just how effective Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman were by themselves at stuffing every team in the NFL's entire running attack, just those two guys. And we're really feeling that now with Hicks out. It, it crushes me to watch that uh, as, as with almost any great defense, we are one injury away from going from great to, to pretty good. But, that's the defense that I saw today. I mean, at the end of the game, the Eagles got the ball with, what, eight minutes uh, remaining in the game, and they converted yeah. four straight third downs to bleed that clock all the way down to so, a somewhat piteous 30 seconds before Adam Shaheen had another, let's just say, critical oh drop. God. Yeah,
1: that's, that's, that's going to be the defining moment of uh, Adam Shaheen's career there, I think, that, uh, I mean, his, his Bears career has been uh, pretty bad the entire time he's been here. Uh, he's finally healthy this year. So, you know, there was a glimmer of hope that we'd see them, you know, make him a, a competent football player. And that just hasn't happened. I mean, he can't get open. Um, he, he doesn't show the athleticism he showed on, on his college tape. And, again, part of that is because he played at Ashland. So he looks a, <laughs> a lot more dominant against those guys. But, but you know, the combine numbers. You know, he's a decent athlete for a guy his size, but he just looks much slower. I don't know if it's – whatever it is, he's, he's proven to be not the right guy. Uh, they can't scheme him open. They can't scheme open on some of those some of those easy crossers that are so prevalent with a lot of West Coast teams. Um, so that drop there, just another uh, another bad mark for the uh, Shaheen career.
0: The whole tight end situation, frankly, has been just abysmal for the Bears. Trash. I mean, we've yeah. got what the top one of the, is he still one of the top five paid tight ends in the NFL? And Trey Burton, who was completely <laughs> he's invisible in today? that
1: ballpark. I think he. I think last year he was like, like seven or eight, and I think he's kind of s- somewhere in that range. But regardless, he's making a lot of money. He's not making any production.
0: Right. And, I mean, if you take a look at what Ryan Pace invested into this position, uh, I mean, for crying out loud, Lester, if I told you that we signed a top free agent tight end to top five tight end money and we had a developmental second, o- or second round pick in that tight end spot, you'd probably feel pretty good about a tight end one-two punch, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, you know, the best tight end on, on this roster – is uh, the guy that got off the street, JP Holtz. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he he looks good as a, as a blocking fullback. He looks pretty good in there. He's a decent blocker out, when he when he plays on the line, you know, I haven't seen him with the ball in his hands too much. But at some point, you got to realize he's he's better than the other guys. You know, let's see what he can do. You know, somewhere else. Let's let's get some old school traditional West Coast offense. And if you're gonna have him at that fullback spot, leak him out into the flat, get the ball in his hands once in a while, see what can happen. No one's gonna cover him because no one expects it to happen. If you got to change your your, your whole scheme around it, then do it.
0: And speaking of that fullback position, Lester, and changing scheme, you really led straight into something that I did want to ask you. It has shocked me, floored me, how different this Bears team looks running any scheme that isn't quote-unquote naggy running. I uh, basically think more or less the eye formation and that uh, I don't know what the technical call is when you've got the single back that would be in the eye formation, but you take that fullback, you kick him off the right or left hand yeah. side and just overload it. But uh, it kind of seems like an offset eye, but I I don't think know. it's an
1: offset eye. Yeah.
0: Oh, that is what it is. Perfect. Uh, but so. It's so funny to me watching those runs that are whether you want to call them more Shanahan style. The point is that they don't seem as if they are runs that Nagy entered the NFL or entering this head coaching gambit expecting to call. And of course, they're the best running plays so far. I mean, I mean,
1: it's, it, it's, yeah, it's downhill running. That's, it's 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 down running. You know, it's it's you have a tailback that can do it. You have a, a fullback in Holtz that can do it. You have an offensive line that has shown that's where they've had their most success. So do it. What's the problem? I don't understand.
0: I don't understand it either, especially given that every time they hand the ball to David Montgomery in those moments, he looks like more than just a third round pick that you traded up for. I mean, he starts shedding tacklers. He starts bouncing around people. You start seeing this guy is a weapon, and it almost feels as if the Bears are burying him after an entire offseason and propping him up. It is boggling my mind. I know, and I said this before coming into the game, though I didn't say this on a podcast or anything because I've got postgame duty. This game was going to tell me a lot about Nagy because last week told me a lot about Trubisky personally. Uh, I saw Trubisky miss enough throws, not make enough plays. That's the key I've always seen with Trubisky. It's it's less about what he doesn't do, and it's more, or, or it's less about what he does, and it's more about what he doesn't do, which is you know, a lot of things, but in this game, we would see a lot about who Nagy was that first half combined with exactly like you're talking about. Every time he makes second half adjustments, the bears definitely got a lot better. They scored 14 points. Their drives looked more cohesive. Uh, But then of course you get down to the goal line and who's the first running back to get the ball Tariq Cohen. (laughs) I mean, are you kidding me?
1: (laughs) You can't make this up. You know, I'm twin social media. I'm, I'm rarely uh, a rated R type of type of tweeter. (laughs) <laughs> um, i usually keep it kind of, I usually keep it PG 13, but I dropped an F bomb today because I just don't understand. You get it that situation, you're on you're in, in the red zone, you're on a on the goal line, and your idea as a play caller is to give it a tree cohen up the middle, and then Tree Cohen tries to jump and, and make a play at at five foot eight. Come on, dude. Just and that, get yep. the ball to the guys that could actually run that play successfully, like Montgomery. And we saw what happened here. He had two uh, touchdowns from inside the five.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that I think is what's starting to drive me more and more and more crazy. I have a lot of people have seen madness in Matt Nagy's play calling up until now, not only in 20 or not in 2018, because, of course, it was working and everybody was excited about it. But here in 2019, we've seen, frankly, much of the same. And I've seen a lot of I've understood what he wants Uh, Out of his play calling, though, as I said in this 33 minute diatribe video, it does sort of seem like and you could probably speak more wisdom into this. It seems like Matt Nagy doesn't really understand run schemes uh, and that his run or and that what he wants to do running the ball, it it should work, but it never does. Uh, Obviously, that's painting with an extraordinarily broad brush. But I just really get the impression that Matt Nagy's entire identity in the run assumes the pass is working. And as we've seen this year, it hasn't ever worked and that's obviously put a lot of pressure on a run scheme that has produced almost nothing because of it but with that in mind it has really begun to irk me when you get down to the goal line or different places and moments where it seems just obvious line up in a run heavy formation run downhill give it to montgomery and go let him grind out between two and five yards and we give the ball to cohen or we run another play, or we run another pass play, like multi-step yeah. drop. Or we run another one of those curl plays. That I gotta tell you, Lester, it doesn't take a football genius to know that the entire NFL is aware that if you get into third and five against the Bears, <laughs> they're running curls. Just yeah. sit at the sticks.
1: You know, at some point, you know, I, I, I mentioned on Twitter, you got to run, run a, run a double move there. You got to try and do something because, like you said, everyone knows it's coming. They're doing all-curls play. Run a double move. Take two guys up the seam, and you stress that free safety to making a choice. And now your quarterback, is all you're doing is you're reading the free safety. If he goes right, you throw the guy one-on-one to the left. you got to take a big shot here. This offense has been doing nothing. you got to take a shot at some point. If you're not going to take it deep, I'm not sure what the point is if you've been playing out there. Just, there's too much bad going on altogether. And if you're not going to give your guys – a chance to make a play which again they're not making them when they have that chance but (laughs) you got to do something different
0: absolutely i mean you have to do something different that's i think what ultimately is starting to become a leading question in my eyes people on twitter people on windy city gridiron they keep using a specific word that i think is beginning to describe matt Nagy better and better and better and better and better with every passing game stubborn we're seeing we're seeing stubbornness in his refusal to adjust. And now I'll be the first to tell you, because I think it needs to be said. There are a lot of people out there that are saying we need bad Nagy to adjust to the strengths of what Mitchell Trubisky can do. And I'm going to say some something that's going to come across like a hot take, Lester, but I'm starting to ask myself what that even is. Because with yeah. with Trubisky not running the ball well, not throwing the ball accurately, not making reads from the pocket, you could do whatever you want for this guy. I'm not 100% certain he has a clear-cut strength at the moment, like what you would expect from most quarterbacks. That said, the adjustments that Nagy's making are, um, let's say, questionable to be nice and mind-boggling or upsetting to say the worst. And I don't know what to do with these games anymore. Because, of course, yeah, go for it. You got something.
1: You know, the last the last few weeks I've done a few podcasts, uh, whether through through our channel, other channels. And one thing I talked about a lot was was what you said, this Matt Nagy stubbornness. He is calling games to me, a guy that wants to force what he wants to do. He wants to force the will of his offense onto opposing defenses. And his offense can't do that yet. He does not understand. He, he showed He's shown it in spurts, the game last week, a little bit in the second half this week, where he can adjust and do things he doesn't want to do. But he cannot get away from his stubbornness of wanting to run his vision of what his offense, his 202 offense should be. It's not working. At some point, the all young young coaches, all young play callers, they go through this. They, they try and do what they want to do. And if it doesn't work, they either adjust or they eventually flame out and they stop being play callers. It, it, it doesn't matter what level you're at, You're on. And, and Maggie, I, Maggie, if he can't adjust, he's going to be out of a job and out of the, the play calling uh, realm altogether.
0: And I got to tell you, I'm actually not upset about that. Not the not the idea of Matt Nagy getting fired. I want to make sure we're clear on what I'm talking about. It's this idea of seeing him tested, because if he is going to be the coach that we thought he was last year, this is a great learning moment for him. I really do believe that. I mean, the identity of what the Bears need to be on offense if they do want to win football games is completely different than his theoretical offensive identity that he wants to enforce on other defenses. So what I find so intriguing about it is that this is a real show or go moment for his ability to adjust. We could we could probably name between us, Lester, a lot of coaches that would make an adjustment, Uh, but I'll pull one out. John Harbaugh adjusted his entire offense a couple of different times to what Lamar Jackson is and isn't good at. He adjusted it to be extremely run-heavy last season. Then he found in the offseason that Lamar had improved a lot in his passing game, and he opened the darn thing back up. But right now, we keep seeing this Uh, I wouldn't even call it a tail of two halves. It's almost a drive-to-drive random spastic shift in offensive identity between (laughs) Nagy calls it his way. Okay, never mind. I'm going to call it like the 06 Bears. Okay, never mind. I'm going to call an 06 play followed by a me play followed by another me. Didn't work. And so on and so forth. It just... It seems directionless, and you almost get the impression that the offense itself is starting to feel that in that they're taking penalties. They're looking worse in some cases than they ever have. Looking at you, Charles Leno, who's found his feet recently, but goodness, he looked just like a different human uh, in the first couple of games of the season. And I could name a bunch of other players, but you know it as well as I do. I mean, people just look worse this year than they did last year, and at some point that bubbles up to the coach.
1: Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's, it's on the coach. I mean, it falls in the head coach, these mistakes that are made, you know, a lot of it is just kind of a a big avalanche of sorts going on with all these mistakes. You know, once one mistake happens, you get your guys start playing tighter and then mistakes happen. This team is not playing loose. You know, that that's part of it is the head coach. But again, part of it, it's the quarterback. When, when the entire team sees the quarterback not playing loose, you know, he's not having fun. He's not, he's not making the right reads. He's, he's paralyzed by what he sees you know, then everyone has to be, they, they, they realize they have to be precise. They have to be, you know, they can't make a mistake. Then they start playing tight. It happened with the offensive line, the receivers. That may be why the drops are up this year. There were like barely any drops at all last year. If I I recall, the bears were one of the the league leaders in least amount of drops this year. I haven't checked the numbers lately, but last I checked they were at least in, 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 in the top third. So is that part of the reason? Because just everyone's playing tight, the defense plays tight. So. Mistakes are bound to happen. I know the easy fix here for people to say is, oh, it's a, they're an undisciplined team. You know, these are professionals, you know, for the most part, they, they're doing their job. But again, it's human nature. You're, you're, you're not playing as loose as you should be. You're trying too hard to be perfect. And when that happens, mistakes happen.
0: Absolutely. One thing. I'm glad that you keep bringing up the quarterback because I'm hitting. I'm hitting Nagy right now as hard as I am, namely because I think the quarterback is almost a lost cause situation. I know that's hard for a lot of Bears fans to hear, but I mean, my goodness, he just he looked so rough all throughout this game in pretty much all phases of quarterbacking. What does surprise me though, Lester, and this is something that I want to ask you uh, based on your personal coaching experience on what you would do or what you think of the decision. It feels as if in 2018, Nagy looked at the offense and he said, we're going to take the pressure off Trubisky. He's not ready yet. We're going to build in as much other stuff as we can. We're going to go smoke and mirrors, razzle dazzle to keep people's eyes off of him. And we're going to let him play as well as he can and and support this offense with a great defense and so on and so forth as like you said the team played as they as they should they weren't near as tight they i believe they actually led the league in fewest drops that they, they were some of the most sure-handed receivers that we yeah. saw penalties were about or not near as bad as they were this year and then you come into this year it sure seems to me as if naggy more or less said okay mitch time for you to step up he didn't the team is seeming to fall out from the inside. And while, of course, Trubisky deserves a lot of blame, maybe even the Lions share to some degree. I got to ask you, as a coach, at what or as when it comes to us talking about the coach, at what point do we begin to criticize him for walking with an offensive identity of the quarterback is going to lead us, the quarterback is not leading them. And right now, I'm really worried this Bears team is going to throw their hands up and say, well, we tried. Didn't work. It's over.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's coming. You know, it's coming from the entire team. And when you mentioned my coaching experience, yeah, I coach some high, high school. I coach some youth. So I'm nowhere near the level of these guys, obviously. But but at some point, you know, the, the team feels it. The team knows what's going on here. You know, the team of sees course. the quarterback struggle. And, and the, 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 the crazy thing is, is from what I understand, everyone in that locker room, everyone in that building, they love Mitch Trubisky. He's a great kid. He, he says all the right things. He's working as hard as he can. But he's just not getting it done. And at some point... If he's not getting it done, man, I hate the the thought of going to chase Daniel. But, you know, he he can run the offense a little better at this point. He is not paralyzed by things he sees. He can go through his progressions a little better than Trubisky can right now. And I know if you sit him down, you're basically giving up on him. You're giving up on his career. That's the perception there. But I think at what point does the Bears have to do that? I know they're three and five playoffs are, are all, all all but over as far as as far as the math goes i mean yeah they have a shot here they got to win the rest and everyone else lose a lot so it's not happening but at some point as a coach you got to say what gives us our best chance to win is it trubisky is it daniel trubisky's not making the simple plays he's missing too many layups out there he's missing guys up the seam yep he's not he, he, he had a couple guys open deep and he just missed them he, he underthrew balls his guys are, with, like talked about Allen Robinson, if he went up and almost made a great play, that would have been an outstanding play if he came down with that ball. Mm-hmm. But if the ball is just thrown a few more yards you know, further, that's probably a touchdown. He's okay. missing. Too many okay. layups. So at some point, you got to make a decision. I honestly don't see it happening. I think they're going to roll with Trubisky. But again, we talked about the head coach, his stubbornness. He's very stubborn. He doesn't want to change his entire scheme around his, see, he has a vision for his identity, and the Bears can't do it. So then you got to change your identity. You just got to do it. The West Coast offense is not that, it's not that rigid, where you can't just switch up and do more eye formation stuff. You can't go to do, do more plaques and eye formation. If we're running a simple uh, uh, slant, uh, flat combination, you can run that from any formation. It's a West Coast staple the slants and arrows. It's a West Coast staple. You can run that from the eye. So run it from the friggin' eye.
0: Anything. I mean, anything yeah. at all. We're yeah. you, you just mentioned slants. I haven't seen those in weeks. Uh, I mean, yeah. they, they're gone. Not to mention, it seems as if routes over the middle. Like, yes, we saw Gabriel get hit on a deep post that, of course, similar to Alan Robinson, if he's not waiting on that football, he's in the end zone. And if that if that Trubisky ball to Alan Robinson is further down the sidelines, he's in the end zone. And surprise, surprise. I mean, I hate saying this. Of course, they're underthrown. He's overthrown all the rest of them. So, yeah. so in his quest for accuracy, he's going to be, he's going to start under throwing them to open guys to just try to make sure they get a chance at the football, which yeah. the, that's, that's sort of my point when it comes to Trubisky. This is what an inaccurate quarterback looks like. It looks like somebody where when Tariq Cohen runs an out route, he gets a ball that suggests he's running an in. He's not. Uh, it's it's a quarterback that delivers the ball later than it needs to be. It's a quarterback that seems as if the only balls he's able to complete are a wide open Montgomery seam. Who again? I'll talk about Montgomery. I could t- we could talk about Montgomery if you and I wanted to be positive, Lester, for like quite Such some time. A good player because he, has he runs like the ball a so great hard. Football yeah. player. Yeah. Uh, not to mention he's got all the receiving ability that we were lacking in Jordan Howard. I mean, I yeah. to Jordan Howard today, like look. I was a heavy critic of Jordan Howard as if he was some kind of bad football player uh, in his third year. Truth be told, right now, he looks like he's still got plenty of energy. And yeah, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't think we got this year, this 2019 Jordan Howard in 2018. He does look re-energized partially because of the trade. But even so... If I got a one-for-one pick, I'm taking David Montgomery. He looks like everything we wanted in a Nagy running back. And that's, I think, what's made this team so disappointing is that from quarterback on, I mean, if there's a tight end open over the middle like Trey Burton, he's not getting the football. So then, of course, after the game, we complain, where was Trey Burton? And truth be told, maybe we go back and watch the All-22 and he was right there for the taking, but the quarterback missed him. Is part of that because Nagy's putting a lot on Trubisky that any anybody anybody watching the all 22 would look at and say, don't put that on him because he's not good at it. Yeah, it kind of seems like it, but is that Nagy's fault for calling plays that are wide open and not getting the ball? If I could be honest, Lester, that seems like that exact question is what is tearing Bears Nation up right now. Yeah,
1: is I mean it's it's a chicken or the egg situation. You know, I think uh, we've you've talked about it for weeks. Your, your, your outstanding video talked about it last week and. You know, where do you go from here? I mean, it's, again, it boils down to Trubisky not being able to make the plays and Matt Nagy being too stubborn to change what he wants to do. So uh, (laughs) what do we do? Because there's plays to be made. There's open guys that are missed. And then on the other side of things, if you would just do what your team is successful at more, you may put your team in a better spot to, to have more success. So chicken or the egg, you know, what is it at this point? And at this point, unless something changes, we'll never know.
0: I'll tell you what broke my heart, Lester. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'll give you a quick window into uh, how the WCG staff works uh, at Lester's behest. But we generally get our weekly picks in somewhere around Tuesday or Wednesday. This week, uh, people were getting them out as early as Monday. And me personally... I sat there and I waited and I waited because I had to see whether the Bears did the ridiculous and traded for a quarterback. It was never about whether I thought that quarterback was going to play. I have to make sure that I get this out there before (laughs) before I get torched on this podcast. But I always thought trading for a quarterback would be a developmental, hope inspiring 2020 oriented move. And that, Lester, is I think what's broken my heart right now is I was worried about exactly the situation. Mitch Trubisky came out a week, the week of the trade deadline, and already has people saying, what do we even do for eight games? And if you have, I don't know, I'll just name some names. If you had a Marcus Mariota, a Josh Rosen, an Andy Dalton, anybody sitting in the pipeline, kind of waiting in the wings. At least you give guys like Anthony Miller, who I don't know if he was targeted today, Tariq Cohen, uh, the offensive line, a defense, Cordero Patterson, like David Montgomery. You give all these different players. Can't believe I mentioned Patterson. (laughs) Anyways, uh, you give all these players somebody to look forward to. That if they are frustrated with Mitch, because you have to know that that's a conversation in the locker room. And as Adam Johns tweeted out the other day, (laughs) receivers don't seem like they're – receivers seem like they're falling out of love with Trubisky. Let's just put it that way. And now I don't know how any coach – And we'll see if Nagy can pull out some magic that isn't a PowerPoint about the Washington Nationals, because sorry, but I don't think we're going seven and one uh, at a strike for 10 and six. But how does Nagy keep the culture together when trading or not trading, because that's all done playing Chase Daniels right now, Lester? That's a move that just says, look, I just want to be able to run my offense even a little bit. Yeah. but it bottoms the locker room out to some extent. Yeah. Not that they're not all aware, but that's an admission by the coaching staff and the GM that Trubisky isn't it and the season is over. And that, I mean, goodness, I just don't even know. Ah, I really feel like the Bears missed a bit of an opportunity. I know it would have been expensive, but I don't want to damn up the whole podcast with that idea.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was in the same boat. I was on a show, I think it was last week or maybe the week before I talked with EJ and, and this came up on his show, Bears Over Beers we talked a little bit about making a trade for a quarterback. And what I said then was you're not the same as you said, you're not making a trade to get a guy near to be the guy this year. Cause you can't get a quarterback up to speed that quickly nope. to run an offense effectively, especially coming from a different system. But had the bears made a trade for one of these guys that are bound to be a free agent, you know, they're going to be like a Marcus Mariota, for example. And again, I'm not a huge guy, a proponent of getting a guy like Marcus Mariota, but if that was the guy, the bears identified, why not get him in now for the last, you know, the last half of the season? You get him in your room. You get him in your culture. You see how he develops. You see how he takes to the team. And then you have a, a head start on whether you want to sign him as a free agent in 2020. Because the free agent class right now of quarterbacks, and, and I think the Bears have to bring a guy in, regardless of what happened with nice the chapter. rest of the way. You've got to bring a guy in. It's, it's Matt Moore. It's, it's Case Keenum. It's a guy like Mariota. You know, yeah, there's some top guys there like like Tom Brady, Drew Brees. These guys aren't leaving their team. I don't, I, I don't see that happening. Um, a guy like Teddy Bridge, Bridgewater, he's in a command a big paycheck. He's still relatively young. He showed that he can run an offense capably. He has shown it in the past in Minnesota that he can run an offense capably. The injury kind of messed up his career for a little bit there, but he bounced back. He's going to get a lot of money. Will it be from the Bears? I don't know, but they have to bring a guy in next year to compete with Trubisky, and I want to see a young guy drafted as well. I want a three-man quarterback room next year. Mm -hmm. I can't see him cutting Trubisky. I just don't see it happening because his money is guaranteed regardless. So I want to see Trubisky. I want to see a draft pick, and I want to see a legit veteran option next year.
0: I think that's what's broken my heart, Lester, about this team is just not only is it a bit of a missed opportunity, but also it is uh, it's a really tough situation that the Bears have put themselves in. They hitched their entire red wagon to Mitchell Trubisky, and right now that looks like a bad, bad bet. And so as we sit here looking at a defense that only one player seems to have set them back from the nasty, nasty looking defense we saw against Aaron Rodgers in week one, which I know that some people want to talk about Washington. But I think that holding Aaron Rodgers to a God honest 10 points is so much more impressive than taking the ball away from Case Keenum five times. But, hey, that's my personal opinion. Uh, The key here is that what what hurts is 2021 Seems like a very tough year for the Bears. We're talking a lot of rough contract situations. What do you do with Eddie Jackson now? He's still a great safety, or at least he was in 2018. Uh, Max contract is only going to get more and more and more expensive. Guys like Prince of Mukamura, they're going to either age out of the Bears or price themselves out of the Bears. We're expecting a little bit more development from Roquan Smith. You know, so on and so forth. And what you end up suggesting, and I know I'm suggesting it, is that It didn't matter if the Bears picked picked Joe Burrow or Tua this year. He's probably not going to play well enough in 2020 or be ready enough to be the quarterback that the Bears need. A veteran option is kind of all you got for the 2020 last hurrah, and that's assuming you don't start aiming yourself more towards 2021, which, if you do, suddenly you're asking yourself, hey, Ryan Pace, we've had more bad years than we've had good years. What's going on here, man? And, uh... Uh, Look, I'm not trying to come and to go out of my way to be absurdly pessimistic. It just seems unusual to me that with these eight games where it seemed very realistic. I don't know if you saw it, Lester, but I know I thought it seemed very realistic that Trubisky would bottom out completely that now we don't really have another great quarterback option on the roster in the slightest because our second quarterback, Chase Daniel, will tell you in interviews he's a backup quarterback. And yeah. a, a career yeah. backup quarterback, regardless of whether he know or not, he knows Nagy's scheme. It's probably not the guy that you want to take eight games worth of snaps. But obviously you don't want to give it to Trubisky either. So my hands are in the air.
1: Yeah, you know this. But you talked a little bit about how they hit the wagon to Trubisky. But if you think about it, look around the league. That's kind of what teams do when they get that high draft pick. You know, they get the guy. They have the guy. And then it's all about the rookie. And then it's about a bridge veteran. You know, there are mm-hmm. some cases where, like with KC, they already had a guy in place in Alex Smith. So he, of course, kept that whole year for the most part with Mahomes on the bench. But usually when you when you draft your guy, you want him to come in and you're going to get a bridge guy that gets you a few starts before you turn over the range so to the rookie. And then the guy you have as your number two, he's not really a threat because the whole point is you want to build up that rookie to be the guy. It didn't oh, work yeah. out. I mean, it happens. We've seen it throughout the league. You know, it happens from time to time with teams. But, you know, I can't fault the Bears for what they did as far as you bringing in a guy like Daniel um, and then not having a, a rookie in the pipeline because at, at the point of his development, all your coaching, for the most part, is going at Trubisky. You don't have mm-hmm. room for a third guy on the roster. That's why they had a guy like Bray there who is, again, he's just a, a practice squad guy. That's what he is. That's his career tap out. That's all he's going to be. But he's a guy you don't have to coach up. He knows what Mm -hmm. he has to do. If he's forced to play for injury reason, he can run your offense to a point. He's not going to win you any games. You'll have to really scale things back as far as what you want to do with him. But I can't fault the plan, but the plan didn't work. And now moving forward, we got to see what they're going to do. It's Like you said, my hands are up in the air. It's a tough situation. Missing on the quarterback sets franchises back, and that's what's going to happen here with the Bears.
0: I think that's a great way to put it, Lester, and a really important distinction to make. The plan isn't the problem because, like you say, you can't split snaps. Like, let's say the Bears had drafted Gardner Minshew this last year. Neat. Well, you're still not probably going to coach Minshew at all. Because you've got a now second year in the offense, third year in his NFL starter in Mitch Trubisky that needs every word uh, of coaching that he can get. So the plan wasn't the problem. But, I mean, this is as if somebody went into a casino and they bet huge on a bet that all the odds said was a great bet in terms of the way they planned things. And the dice rolled the wrong way. And now the Bears are sitting in a situation. And the question becomes, of course, what do you do from here? But that doesn't fit in a pod game or a post game podcast. So I might as well just ask you, Lester, do you have any final thoughts on the game overall or the season going forward?
1: You know, I think this, this game was a, a good, uh, a good microcosm of the whole bear season. You know, they had problems on offense, problems on defense, problems from the quarterback, problems from the head coach, problems from the play calling, you know, until, until the bears can get uh, things to be more uh, play, more complimentary football. This is what we're going to see from our team moving forward. And it sucks because uh, we had such high expectations. You know, yes, we thought we were in a big window here to win a title. And after a 12-4 and 4 season with young ascending players all over the team, we thought that we were headed. It's regressed. It's regressed. The quarterback has regressed. There are no answers. You know, no one has answers. And the answers, unfortunately, aren't coming from inside House Hall either. So, I guess we're just stuck rooting for a, uh, a bad team again in 2019.
0: Yikes. And the worst part is, of course, that uh, we don't have a first-round pick either. So if the Bears, let's say, lose all the rest of their games, that helps our second-round pick, but not the first. Uh, yeah. Overall, when I look at the game, you I think you phrased it really, really well that this, this does describe the entire Bears' season because the Bears' offense, and again, I'm looking at it, uh, they had six three-and-outs, uh, they had a four-and-out, they had a five-and-out, and then they had two touchdown drives. So uh, they didn't do almost anything on offense except for when they did and when they absolutely needed their defense to get them a win, which, let's be clear, they did that a ton, asking the defense yeah. to win the game yeah. for them in 2018. This defense just couldn't. And that's that's been, I think, the hardest truth for a lot of Bears fans to swallow is that this defense isn't the defense that we saw last year, and it's not quite a team carrying defense. And so we all knew that we needed to step up from the offense. We didn't get it. And we're losing games because of it. Uh, I hope one way or another, whether it's Trubisky or Daniel, that we're able to get some sort of cohesive offensive plan going, because I if if I'm telling you honestly lester i think that when it comes to 2020 we need anthony miller to get reps and david montgomery to get reps more than we need trubisky to get reps uh if it's again if it's me calling the shots but that i mean we'll have to see because the bears face what the lions next week uh the rams after that i mean they've got some tough tough games left on their schedule so we'll just uh if nothing else I do think that this is going to be a great window into seeing just who Matt Nagy is because he's being put under tremendous pressure right now as he'd effectively promised the city of Chicago that we would be a good team because he really did seem to swing into that narrative, not that I blame him for it. Uh, and that's that's not what we have on our hands here.
1: No. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but you know I talked about it before the season started that a big challenge from this team and from this coaching staff is... You know, now you are the front runner. You know, now you are not going to sneak up at anyone. You know, how are you, how are the players, how are the coaches going to react to, to not, to being the hunted instead of the hunter? So we're seeing that they're not able to do that right now. And it's unfortunate because you want to have athletes and competitors rise to the challenge. And that's not what happened with this group.
0: Not in the slightest. Well, Lester, thank you so much for coming on and helping me digest this rough, rough game. Uh, Go ahead and tell everybody here where they can find you and what sort of things you're working up in the future.
1: Uh, WindyCityGround.com. I'm also uh, a podcast channel. We got we got four shows on there. I haven't been doing much lately because I've been doing so much uh, a bunch of guest spots with all you guys. So I mean, kind of had, had had no time for my own show, but but I'm okay with that. I'm good. I think uh, w- one w- one dose of Lester a week uh, for, for for your ears is enough, um, and then um, Twitter at WiltFongJR.
0: Awesome. Hey, Lester, thanks again so much for coming on. Really helped me out.
1: Anytime, Robert.
0: And Bears fans, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much to Lester for coming on, and hopefully the Bears season can improve as it goes, even if in just a developmental aspect. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. You can search my first and last name on YouTube and find my YouTube channel, which is a bunch of Bears-specific analytical videos. Certainly the last one that I did on Nagy and Trubisky should help you understand certainly what are the flaws in mitchell trubisky's game and until next time bears fans bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me